I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is the Tech Central Show. Subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash techcentral. And while you're at it, subscribe to our daily newsletter at techcentral.co.za slash newsletter and get the latest tech news in your inbox at 5 a.m. every weekday morning. Now, we're going to be talking electric vehicles next with the head of Volvo in South Africa. In fact, um, Volvo has just launched what I think is one of the cheapest EVs, if not the cheapest in the South African market, the EX30. Uh, to chat about that launch and the EV market in South Africa more broadly, I'd like to welcome Greg Maraszewski to the Tech Central studio now. Greg, welcome and thanks for making the time. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. So Volvo has been very aggressive, probably one of the most aggressive um, motoring brands to um, switch away from or move, start moving away from ICE or internal combustion engines to electric vehicles. Why has the company been so aggressive in, in shifting to EVs? I think it's a number of reasons. As you said, you know, we were the first ones, I think, to make it public that we will stop selling cars, which are not electric cars, by 2030. Yeah. A couple of other manufacturers have gone since then. Um, but the reasons why, the first one is care for the environment. I think it's pretty clear that the com internal combustion engine the emissions do cause harm to the environment. Mm. We can debate how much, but it does cause damage. Sure. And then the whole process of electrification and also advancement in the technologies really goes hand in hand with the electrical cars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and how long has, um, when, when was your first uh, electric vehicle produced and how long have you been selling EVs in South Africa for now? Well, actually the first batch of electric cars goes back 10 or 12 years. It was a C30 in those days. Okay. Um, it was a, hatchback with two, uh, with two doors. Uh, there was a limited number of cars. I think they were all sold, well, not sold actually, they were leased in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. So oh. that was a, a trial run okay. into the electric world. But uh, the XC40 single motor and the twin motor were really the first ones globally. Right. And we started selling them in January last year. Okay, January last Okay, so it hasn't been in the market that long, uh, 18 months or so. How has market reception been? It's difficult to say. I think it's mm -hmm. been great. Mm -hmm. But the launch of the electric cars for us and for the other manufacturers as well, it came together at the same time that we had supply constraints because yes. of semiconductor shortages of COVID, factory lockdowns, things like that. So it's difficult to say what the real demand is. Um, I know that we've sold every single car that we've got. Mm -hmm. um, the stock is going to starting to build up now in June, July. We'll get more cars. So I think then we'll be able to, to judge what the real demand is. Yeah. But the reception we've got so far, I think it's been very positive. But you must interact with customers on a daily basis when you go into showrooms and you talk to your clients or prospective clients and they're walking around looking at all the Volvo options there. What are they asking you about EVs? Are they, are they saying, well, maybe I should consider this now? Or are they saying, no, just give me the petrol car? I think the people who are in our showrooms already know about the electric cars. So okay. They want the electric car. They know everything about it. Um, yeah, th there's no negatives about it. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about electric cars in general from yeah. the public. Yeah. And I think that's something that us as an industry, we need to work on. Okay. What are some of those misconceptions? You know, typical for South Africa, load shedding. Um, right. That's um, one of my questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, is it an issue? It'll be better without it. Yeah. But if you speak to the people who drive electric cars, they park it in the garage in the evening, plug it in, by the morning it's charged. Yeah. You know, whether it's charged in the afternoon, in the evening, late at night, early morning or late morning, it doesn't matter. Mm. You know, at six o'clock in the morning it will be charged. If you go to a stage where there's no power for 12 hours or longer at any one time, you know, as some of the doomsday predictions mm. are, then it might become an issue. Mm. But right now with four hours the car will be charged. Yeah. And you know, we never charge in the car from empty to full every night. Mm -hmm. So we just have to get, you know, I spoke about education. When we fill up the car, we fill it up when it's empty or close to empty. With electric cars, we should charge it whenever we can. Yes. So when you get home, 
plug it in. A lot of people are going solar now as well. Um, you know, with S- with Escom's troubles, um, you know, whenever I, I drive, do the commute from the office to home, I notice every day there's a house with new solar installation on the top of it. Um, are, are, are your customers uh, having conversations with you about how they can integrate their home solar solutions into their uh, mobility, uh, into their car? And are you able to provide advice to customers around what they should be doing in yeah. terms of solar? So we've got a couple of customers who've gone that route. To me, right now the solar technology is not there to make it possible or feasible to charge. You can do it, mm-hmm. but you need a lot of panels. Yeah. And most of the time we charge the car at night and there's no sun at night, so you right. need batteries. And batteries right. are expensive. So that technology will improve. But right now, I don't think it's a feasible one. Yeah. But you know, when you talk about solar and batteries, what we will have with our new EX90 coming out is bi-directional charging. So actually, the battery that's in the car, you can use that to power up the house. So it's almost a reverse of powering the, the car from the house. You can power the house from the car. Right. So you wouldn't need to buy one of these massive inverter systems with batteries that you mount in your garage on your garage Correct. wall, for example. Your car could power everything. So you'd need a much smaller battery. So you yeah. still need an inverter to process all that. Mm. But then instead of having a battery that will last you you know, a night plus a day that if it's cloudy, yeah. you can use the car as a backup for that. So you just need a much smaller battery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, our uh, electric charging infrastructure in South Africa is not as developed as it is in, say, Europe or North America. There has been some um, active rollout in the last, uh, particularly in the last year or so. Uh, what, what is Volvo's involvement in uh, rolling out and, and deploying uh, uh, EV charging infrastructure in South Africa? Are you working with partners? Do you have your own uh, charging infrastructure that you've deployed? And what, what are your plans over the next years to, to make more of this infrastructure available to EV drivers? So I think you know, the first comment that's not well developed, if you look at the, the ratio of yep. charges to cars, we've got one of the high, uh, the lowest uh, ratios, which is the best. Not okay. because we have so many charges, we have so, so few cars. Right. So that's the one. So we don't actually need all that charging infrastructure right now. Well, we need it because of the you know, of where, how big the country is yes. and where they should all go. We have, uh, I don't know, about 300 charging stations right now. Something like that, yeah. Um, nationally. Uh, from Volvo's side, we don't think that having our own is the way to go. You, know, you don't have manufacturers having their own petrol stations, for example. So it will become a commodity. Like petrol is now, electricity will become a commodity mm. very soon, I think. So we think that, um, there are, well, I know there are investors who are waiting to invest into the infrastructure. Mm. They're just waiting for some clarity on what the demand is. Mm. And I think yeah, the, the obvious question is, what does, what's the government going to do, if mm. anything? Mm-hmm. And I think once the investors have got the clarity, then they can make their own sums and that investment will go into the infrastructure. Okay, okay. Well, let's talk about government because uh, uh, I've, I've had um, CEOs of other um, car companies sitting in that very chair you're sitting in now decrying the high import duties on cars. I think it's ad valorem duties and other taxes, which in effect mean that EVs in South Africa cost significantly more than ice-based vehicles in terms of taxes. Um, it's, it's just adding to the cost and it's detracting from the, from the ability of car manufacturers to sell these vehicles in the South African market. Just give, maybe give us an overview of what the issue is and what you think should be done about it. Okay. So first of all, on taxation, the taxation on EV cars is the same as on ICE cars. The difference comes in that European-sourced cars, ICE cars, yeah. have got a reduction of 7%. So if you buy a petrol, diesel car manufactured in Europe, it'll be brought in at 18%. Mm-hmm. If it's a petrol car or a diesel car or an electric car from anywhere else in the world, it's 25%. The regulation, when it was drafted, didn't take into account full electric car. 
So that's why the exemption of the 7% doesn't work on electric cars. Ah. Not because it was excluded, but it wasn't included because when it was drafted, nobody spoke about the electric cars. Right. Then at Valorum, the higher the, the value of the car, the higher the Valorum, so that adds to it as well, obviously. Right. Right. And then yeah, a lot of the countries that have got high progress in terms of selling the electric cars, I think all have had some governmental support, whether it's a taxes mm. or you know, there's a number of ways to do it. The South African, South African government has said that they will not support the demand side. They will support the manufacturing side, mm. although the, I don't think they've announced anything yet. No. So you know, that's way overdue because you yes. can't just announce What's it What's taking so long, do you think? I think the one thing is that the government's got no money. Okay. Um, <laughs> and supporting EV cars is... It's not a priority. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think if, if you go to the demand side, if you're supporting a car with import duties, you're losing out on the import duties, mm -hmm. which is a significant amount for the government, but then you're also losing out on the fuel levies, which are significant in this country. Mm -hmm. So it's a double whammy. Yeah. And then the third one, possibly, politically, it's not a good decision to support expensive cars mm -hmm. while there are more pressing needs in mm -hmm. the country. That's that's true. But what would you like to see? I mean, as Volvo, what how would you like to see the rules change? I mean, yeah, from our side, we would like to see a parity of pricing yeah. uh, between petrol cars and ice cars and, 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 and EV cars. We're getting there, uh, but any support we would welcome yeah. just to have the introduction of electric cars mm. that much faster. Sure, sure. Volvo doesn't have a factory in South Africa. It imports all of its... Correct. Its we, we used to, but not anymore. Oh, you used to? Okay. Yeah. Where, where, where was your factory? It was together with Ford in the Silverton plant. Oh, the f uh, okay. So initially, actually, we had a... SKD plant in Botswana mm -hmm. when it was still a private importer and then early 2000s when Volvo Car South Africa opened we moved our operations to the Ford office in okay. Silverton and for a couple of years there was a plant assembling there or okay. line assembling there making well. what? it was the S40s and I think the V40s as well oh interesting interesting and was the market just not big enough to justify a Local it, factory. It, it was a very complicated process. So mm. I wasn't here when, the, when it was discontinued. Sure. But with small volumes of, of, of cars and a high level of, of options, mm. you, know, you couldn't always build a car that the customer wanted. Ah. So ah. a lot of the cars landed up being imported simply because we couldn't build it locally ah. because of the option not being available or things like that, different colors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think you might ever come back? making cars in South Africa? Or is uh, never say never, but I don't think it'll be anytime soon. Won't be soon. Um, we are opening up a plant in Slovakia now. Yeah. So that's the next one on the line. And um, yeah, it's uh, right now it's not in cards. Not, not a high priority. Just um, take me through where Volvo is positioned in the market. Who is who is the typical Volvo buyer? I think somebody looking for a premium car, um, understated versus some of our premium competi competitors. Yeah. Um, somebody who cares about family, environment, and just you know, looking for a good quality, honest car. Um, it's not so ostentatious. Not flashy. Yeah. A little more, more conservative yeah. leaning. Okay. And we can actually see that in our customers. Yeah. The customer base, um, you can call them boring customers, but uh, when it comes to finance risk and insurance risk, yeah. they're a lot lower than the average drivers. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And does it skew to an older audience as well. I know some of your newer models are yeah. quite funky, uh, which I, I guess means Volvo is trying to tap into that younger audience, particularly with the, some of the new EV models, like the EX30. EX30, the XC40 was also attracting a younger audience. Yeah. The C30 I mentioned early on, that was also targeted at a much younger mm -hmm. audience. But yes, historically, um, yeah, middle-aged upwards. Right, 
Right. But it's changing with the new cars. And is that changing now with yeah, the EV, yeah, yeah. EVs coming in? Yeah. So what, what is your what, what, what is your, what is Volvo's typical buyer in the future look like? I think we'll be a lot younger, mm-hmm. or probably start a lot younger. I don't think we'll lose the customers that we've got currently. Right. Uh, those are yeah, they'll they'll get older and older. How brand loyal are Volvo customers? Will they keep buying Volvo until they die? I think they're very loyal mm-hmm. unless we upset them. Oh right. Yeah. So they uh, won't take nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, we tr- we try. Um, yeah. Not always get it right. Sure. But um, we've seen the high loyalty of customers, and if we can sort out the problem quickly, mm. uh, that's not a problem. Yeah, the, every car will break down, so it's not the issue of the car breaking down or not. It's how you handle it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but Volvo is known for its quality, and uh, uh, you know, it's not. You don't expect it to 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 run into major mechanical problems every so I think often. It once it's, it's service, yeah, it's a, it's a mechanical, it's a reliable yeah. product. Yeah. All right, take us through the EX30. You launched that last week or the week before last here in South Africa. Um, where where exactly is this positioned in the market? Uh, how do you expect it to perform? Um, and what should buyers expect in terms of performance? Okay, so the EX30 we actually had a launch locally. Mm-hmm at the same time as the global launch. I believe so, yes. So we watched the global launch, uh, followed straight away by a local one, where we announced the prices, which were very well received, and then also the availability. So the cars will come, the first batch of of cars for the dealers, and demo cars will be December, January. Mm -hmm. Customer cars will come, start arriving in March next year onwards. Okay. Um, It's a very exciting car for us. It's the smallest SUV, SUV, as you mentioned. It's also the lowest priced one. So I think that will do very well. I think we priced aggressively, uh, versus other offers within the EV space. So you're deliberately taking lower margin on this one to, to push? Yeah, what we try to do is more or less offer an EV car for the price of an ICE car mm-hmm. uh, of the same spec and the same right. size, more or less. Yeah. Right. And I think we got that, got that right. We had very good feedback on the day, but also since then. Um, we sold, I think it was 85 or 86, or took 86 orders good grief. on the first day. Good grief. Um, which for us is, is phenomenal. Know, it's, it's, yeah. it's good, very good. Mm. Um, it's been continued since then, also quite a high pace. Um, so, yeah, we're excited about it. And, yeah, it's a youthful car. Mm. Um, we mentioned the acceleration before that. Um, yeah, well, let's, let's go through that. I mean, it's yeah. phenomenal. It's like a sports car, this thing. Uh, three point? 3.6 is from zero to 200 mm-hmm. um, on the performance car with a twin engine. But even the slowest car, I can call it that. It's 5.7 seconds, not 200, which is still very fast. It's mm. two, yeah, a single motor is 200 kilowatts, twin motor 315 kilowatts. For a small car like that, mm. it packs a punch. Yeah. But also some of the other features, some new safety features. Um, so all the safety features that we have on our existing cars are in that car. Uh, so from XC90 down to 30, all the same features. But the 30 now has a couple of new ones, like when you open the door and the cyclist coming, the the door will not open. Mm-hmm. It's just one. Um, recognition of the speed signs and adjusting the speed according to that. Oh wow! That's another one. That's so cool. A couple of more features. Yeah. Uh, the soundbar, which is also quite exciting for us, um, as opposed to having a whole bunch of speakers in the car. Mm-hmm. Smaller car with one soundbar in the front, and then just different size speakers and amplifiers in that soundbar. So there's a couple of exciting things, which are yeah, it's all focused more towards the youth, mm. and also yellow color. Um, we have another yellow car for 20 odd years. So this will be available in this car. And I think it's also signed that towards the youth market. Yellow from Volvo. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is bold. Um, so, I mean, what what are you expecting from this car? Is this going to be your hottest seller ever? I think, yeah, first of all, it's going to change the perception of, of the brand mm-hmm. in South Africa, but also globally. I believe that. We can attract some younger buyers um, with a price range that will fit their pocket as well. Mm-hmm. So that will increase our volumes. 
And then I think it's another car that will go towards the EV strategy mm. that we've had. So by 2030, all our cars will be EVs. We start with the XC40 that we actually won the new energy car of the year okay. recently. We launched the C40 beginning of June, now with the EX30, then the EX90, and then all the other cars will follow. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a step towards that strategy. Mm-hmm. So the EX30 is your is your entry-level EV, and the EX90 is your top-of-the-line premium uh, EV product. Correct. Okay, and that was also launched not long ago. It was launched last year, November. Yeah. There was a recent announcement that we're going to delay the production of the car. Oh, is it? So I think four or five months okay. plus minus to be delayed. The hardware is ready, the software is ready, but the testing of the software takes time. Right. And it's a totally new architecture. It's single core computing, so it does require yeah. more testing. So maybe it's not a bad thing. Yeah, these things really are computers on wheels now, aren't they? <laughs> it's amazing to see the technology industry and the and the motoring industry really starting to, yeah. to, to, to combine. And we've actually seen a, a interest from the tech magazines. Yes, I'm um, sure. In... In cars, and you know, once they look at our cars, they look at the competitors as well. Yeah. So there's a lot more coverage of automotive news. In, yes, in yes. Tech. Well, we at Tech Central are, are covering yeah. electric cars more and more, and it's a very exciting area. But you also work very closely with uh, with Google. Uh, your your in car entertainment system. I'm not sure what it's called. Uh, does it have a name? I think it's Hey Google. Hey Google. <laughs> okay. It's, it's an ICAP system. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a fully integrated um, Google system designed for automotive use. I think we were the first ones to use it. Yeah. Since then, there have been one or two other manufacturers. Yeah, I mentioned it earlier. Um, it's a lot more intuitive than probably any manufacturer can have on their own. Yeah. Um, it utilizes the whole Google search history. So coming here, putting the address of the, the name of the, of the business park, mm-hmm. took me right here. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, I mean, there's there's been a lot of debate in the motoring industry for a number of years now about um, whether car companies should be working so closely with the big tech giants. Um, I think there was certainly a worry a couple of years ago that uh, by integrating things like Android Auto and Apple CarPlay in, into the cars, the motor manufacturers are kind of giving away a lot of the value-added uh, components and um, making the, the, the experience to be more controlled by a tech giant rather than by the the car manufacturer. Um, how much of a concern is that at Volvo? I mean, you've you've um, you you have clearly have a very close working relationship with Google, and 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 so clearly that does not concern the company to a great extent. But other car companies are very wary of working with the tech giants. What what is the sort of view inside Volvo about that topic? I think from our side, you know, you got to pick the things that you're going to focus on. Mm. So there's some things that you buy and some things that you will develop yourself, and to develop a top of the range infotainment system is probably not one of our core priorities. You know, or core competencies. I, th- I think the competencies you can buy, yeah. but it'll take, you know, take, time. Mm. take very long. What the cost is, and what is the benefit of you know, competing with Google, mm. you have to develop something better than that just to be able to compete, right? Yeah. So we've got a very good, pr- good product. We'd rather focus on electrification, on the safety, and the whole user experience including the infotainment system. Yes. You know, how does one use it? How does it help the car? Yeah. You know, so things like that is something we would like to focus on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, something I meant to ask you about the EX30, and I, I can't ignore it, is the range. It's such an important question. Uh, wh- what sort of distance are we looking at here? So the the entry level um, has got a single motor, 200 kilowatt battery, a 200 kilowatt motor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a range of 344 kilometers. 344, okay. Um, and then it goes up to 480. 
on the extended range. That's on the top end model. How many SKUs or how many versions of this vehicle are there? So there are three trim levels. Mm -hmm. uh, there's the the the, base, the core. How much is the entry level one? Seven seventy five nine hundred. Seven seven five nine hundred. Okay, and then there's a mid tier version. Mid one, and then the ultra. Mm -hmm. So if you take the ultra with the twin motor with ev everything else, it's just under a million rand. Just under a million. Okay, and the mid tier, what are eight hundred and something? It would be eight fifty, eight eighty, somewhere around there. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Okay. So I guess you know seven eighty, eight eighty, nine eighty, nine ninety. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, Greg, uh, before I let you go, let's, uh, let's look a little bit into the future. Uh, we are a tech publication, so I'd, I'd like to have a look at what's coming next. Um, Self-driving cars, Volvo working on those. Uh, what, what can we expect in that, in that regard? And what other cool tech are you, is Volvo working on to the extent that you can tell us? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm sure there's some <laughs> secrets that you need to keep. But um, just some insight perhaps into where you think a motoring is going to go in the next five years. Yeah. So uh, the specifics I can't talk about, but... You know, a lot of manufacturers said five years ago mm. that by early 20s, we're going to have self-driving cars, autonomous cars. We're a long way away from that, I think, to, for a fully uh, autonomous car. Mm. But a lot of the, the features that are coming into the cars are, if you put them all together mm. and you start building them up, they add up to a, what is really an autonomous car. So we started off with the cruise control, mm. which controls the speed. Now we've got adaptive cruise control, which then adjusts the speed to the car in front of you. We've got lane keeping. We're going to have lane changes. You know, put them all together, and you're getting very close to a car that can drive by itself mm. in certain conditions. Mm -hmm. and I think that's the, the one area that nobody has got right yet. Um, even Tesla, uh, yeah. it, it's fully autonomous, but not everywhere. Mm. Yeah, so in South Africa, a lot of the features are switched off on a couple of cars that we've got in the country. So I think it will go that way. Yeah, talking about having a full autonomous car, if you take South African driving habits, I think it's going to be very, very difficult to have an autonomous car that can predict what's going to happen next. Mm. Yeah, and I think... With potholes and road, roads not painted properly. And well, painting of, of roads is one thing. Yeah. Yeah, driver behavior mm. and the following distance mm. and the gaps that we seem to fit into yes. you know, on the highway. taking chances. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. all that um, will need to be worked in. Yeah. Yeah, AI is coming, maybe that's a, a way to go forward. Mm -hmm. um, with the introduction of LiDAR in the EX90, I think that will give us a lot of information that we need to try and program it right. into something that we can use on the open roads. Okay, okay. But for now, the tech is, is switched off and it's... Yeah, there's no, and we don't talk about semi-autonomous cars. Yeah. We talk about cars that have got certain features mm. that I've mentioned. There's more coming, but it's yeah, the driver is still responsible for the car. Do you think we're ever going to get to a point where we have like an Uber-type service that is where the vehicles are self-driven um, and you just hail an Uber, hop in the car without a driver, takes you where you're going, and we have these autonomous cars running in our cities? And, and perhaps there are dedicated lanes where where only auto um, autonomous vehicles are allowed to go. I mean, how far away are we from that sort of future? Yeah, autonomous cars, I think, we're not that far away, mm -hmm. the scenario you described. Mm. The problem comes in between having no autonomous cars and the full autonomy for all the cars, let's say, 30, 40 years time, whatever right. it is, right? That period in between where you have drivers who can make their own decisions and they're not rational always, mm. And autonomous cars, which expect some sort of predictability. Mm. And I think that's going to be the, the tricky part. Mm. And you, know, you mentioned separate lanes. That's a possibility. Uh, separate parking lots where we can put a lot more cars into an area yes. that you don't need to open the doors. Yeah, That's still coming. Mm. Uh, but having autonomous cars driving together with the public, 
think that that will be a tricky one. Yeah, I've seen a few of those automated parking garages. I think there's one in Japan yeah. and some some in Europe where you you arrive and then the system, the building almost parks parks your vehicle in this massive skyscraper and everything is packed in like sardines in a tin can. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you know, once you have that, then yeah. the computer can work out which car you want to move yeah. efficiently to get the one in the middle out. Yeah, yeah. yeah and then we talk about things like. If the cars are autonomous, then you, the lanes need to be a lot narrower. Mm. So maybe you can put four lanes instead of three, which allows a, a freer movement. Mm. Yeah, a lot of these things are being discussed, mm. but yeah, full autonomous and cars still a while. Yeah, and in terms of other technologies like car entertainment, and I, I know I know all car manufacturers are moving to these massive screens now. Some, some I'm, I'm sure Volvo is, is has some some of the, some of these types of screens in its in its more premium vehicles, but these these screens that replace the entire dash. Uh, um, you know, where where are we going with this? Are we are we at risk perhaps of of building vehicles that are going to start to distract drivers rather than to help them reach their destination safely? Yeah, from our side, we've always spoken about technology, uh, not for the sake of technology, mm-hmm. but to assist the driver to make first of all to make it safer, make it more comfortable, make it more relaxing, help. So our technology will always go towards that. If it makes sense from a driving perspective, you know, on any one of those, we'll introduce it. Mm-hmm. If it's just for aesthetics. Yeah, we might stay away from that. Right, right. Yeah. Go for the practical options. Greg Maroshevsky is uh, is MD of Volvo in South Africa. Greg, thank you so much for sharing your insights with Tech Central's audience today. Much appreciated. Thank you for having me. Pleasure.